of the band, you did an amazing job in a short time just to lead us into the presence of God. And we're so thankful for all our skilled worship leaders and skilled volunteers. We are so blessed. Whether you're setting up and taking down, whether you're doing the notes 18, whether you're helping with the pastoral, the finances, the investments, uh, the outreach, whatever it is. We are the many, I mean, there's just so many things. We're so grateful for you. And we're a team. We're a family. And it's only as we use our gifts and our talents that we can be who God's created us to be as a church. So thank you so much. As your rector, I really appreciate each of you. Um, I want to say something to you that might make you go, oh, yes, this morning. Or might you think, mm, that's not me. If I said the word masterpiece to you, what would you think of? Masterpiece. Just let that word settle for a minute. Masterpiece. Now, you might instantly think of a piece of art, such as the Mona Lisa uh, by Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> but Da Vinci, thank you. Sorry, I, I, missed my, um, I missed my cue there. So I'm uh, reading one line ahead. Oh, you might think of, we'll get to Michelangelo now, because we'll look at the creation of Adam. So if you can, there you go, there's Michelangelo. Or my favorite, which is Dali's uh, Christ of Sir John of the Cross, where we see the Father looking down on Jesus and the sacrifice that he's made. Or you might think of a piece of music, such as Bach's unaccompanied cello suites. One person once told me that's the music that they play in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> or it could be Beethoven or Chopin. It could be a symphony or a sonata. It could be Handel's uh, choral work, The Messiah. Or it may be a building. This is uh, the cathedral in Milan, which is breathtaking when you see it at night in Italy. Or it may be a novel. It might be Tolstoy's Anna Karenina or To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lear. It might be something that you just love. But that word masterpiece can be defined as this, a work of outstanding artistry, skill, or workmanship. But I wonder if you've ever thought of yourself as a masterpiece. When you look at yourself in the mirror, is that what you see? Do you say, wow. <laughs> There's a bit of laughter there. Maybe a bit of work to do. I'm God's masterpiece. I'm his workmanship. This is what it says in Ephesians 2.10. I'm not trying to just be nice to you. I'm trying to actually speak truth over you. This is what it says, for we, that's you lot and me, are God's masterpiece or his workmanship. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good work, things he has planned for us long ago. So in Christ, you are God's masterpiece. You're his workmanship. Now, I wonder when you look at yourself in the mirror, do you see a masterpiece? God's masterpiece. His workmanship, or do you think thoughts that people have spoken over you, or you've thought yourself, or the enemy has thrown one of those fiery darts at you to try and steal and rob you of the joy and peace of you knowing that you are God's masterpiece? You know, one of the things I said right at the beginning of this sermon series is that we're going to look, we're going to use God's word as a mirror. That as we look into it, we see who we are in Christ. And then we allow the Holy Spirit to
to change our thinking so we align our thinking with what God says, both in our head and our hearts. Yet so often, I don't know about you, but I don't align my thinking to what God says, God's word says about me in my day-to-day life. I even argue with God. No, no, that you must have made a mistake. You've got it wrong. I'm not your masterpiece. And that actually brings us sorrow when we don't align ourselves and agree with what God says. And this isn't something new. This is a thought that actually we see in the Bible. In Isaiah 45.9, it says this. What sorrow awaits those who argue with their creator? Does a clay pot argue with its maker? Does the clay dispute with the one who shapes it, saying, stop, you're doing it wrong? Does the pot explain how clumsy can you be? I wonder if you've ever found yourself arguing with what God says about who you are in Christ. Not just, now just before you correct me, you biblical scholars, saying that what Isaiah was talking about Israel here. But now because we are in Christ Jesus, this truth also refers to us. That God is the potter and we are the clay. And now because we're in Christ, we are his masterpiece and he's forming us and shaping us. You can see why it's so important then that we align ourselves to what God says about us and not what the world says. Because we don't want that sorrow filling our souls and stopping us from being who God's created to be. Christine Kane, the Australian author and speaker, wrote this. When there is a fight between your heart and your head, experience has taught me that the best thing you can do is pick, your, pick up your Bible and remind yourself who God says you are. So when you're going through it, we don't look around. We look to the Word of God. Well, what does God's Word say about me in the midst of all this is going on? I want to turn then to Ephesians 2, and if you've got your Bibles, I encourage you to open it on your phone or open it, and we're going to find out what Paul is reminding the Christians in Ephesus of how God's grace is working in their lives to create them to be the masterpiece that he sent his son to save us for. So there are three specific ways. The first one is this. The first, first God's grace has saved us. So the first thing we see that God's grace do in our lives is that he saves us. And if you look at the beginning of Ephesians, uh, Ephesians, it says this, Ephesians 2. But God is so rich in mercy, he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For you raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with, with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of his incredible grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast. So once again, we're reminded in this sermon series of God's grace. It was by God's grace that he saved us. It was nothing that we've done and everything that he's done to offer us that wonderful gift. And as we receive that gift, as we place our faith in Jesus, that allows him to continue the work in us. 
so that we become his workmanship. Yes, he created us, but in Christ we become his masterpiece of which he starts to mold and shape. And Paul goes on to talk about this continuing grace in our lives when he says this, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. You see, the second grace that we find in Ephesians is that God doesn't just save us, but he's remaking us. See, we are his masterpiece. When I was in Turkey, well, we, went, we went to Ephesus and we went to this, um, uh, this pottery uh, place. And uh, they wanted to show off their everything. And so uh, they said, here is our master potter. And he was incredible. And there was, they used this clay, which is incredibly strong, but it's incredibly difficult to mold. And uh, there's just this lump of clay and within probably about two minutes, he'd formed this incredibly beautiful jug. Now, I did a bit of pottery at school, and it took me a long while to get a plate to look like a plate. <laughs> but in two minutes, this guy had made this ornamental jug with the handle, and then he took that aside, and he got another lump of clay, and he made this beautiful top for that jug, which fitted perfectly onto the top. He was a master potter. And it was a process that he went through. Now it's by God's grace that this process starts with his grace in us and then continues as his masterpieces, as he works in us. Mark Roberts wrote that God is no amateur potter, but an artisan who has already begun to shape us into a masterpiece. God sees potential in us that we cannot grasp. He has hope for us far beyond our expectations. He will use us to do more than we imagine. If we allow him to work in us and through us. And we'll see more about that through us in a minute. Now, I don't know about you, but I sometimes feel more like a lump of clay than a masterpiece. Anyone ever feel like a lump of clay? Rather than, oh, we've got a few honest people here. I often think, is God going to give up on me? And it's in these moments that I go to the Word of God to find out what He's promised. And one of my favorite and one of the promises I keep close to my heart is this, Philippians 1.6, which says, God who began the good work within you will continue His work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. I mean, that's some promise, isn't it? It's a promise of His faithfulness to you that He's not going to give up on you. That his grace saved you and now is his masterpiece. He is working in you so that you can do the good things that he's called you to. Instead of allowing those thoughts to stay, there is no point. God's given, going to give up on me. You, I am the lump of clay that is unworkable. We need to cling to the truth which says, I am God's masterpiece. You know, when I was reading this as a young Christian, there was something here that Paul says that used to make me think, I cannot be God's masterpiece. Because I misunderstood what Paul is talking about here when he says he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. I used to look at my life and see stuff in me, and I still do, that I knew wasn't Christ-like. And think, I can't be God's masterpiece because of this part of my life or this part of my life. 
So the crucial question that we need to ask then is what part of us is Paul referring to of being created anew in Christ? Which then allows us to see what part of us is God remaking as his masterpiece. So when you believe in Jesus, you're born again. You come alive in your spirit. You're created a new spiritually, and this affects the rest of your life. If you allow it, it affects your soul and your body. Christian Kane, Christian Kane says this, something that was really helpful. My life before I became a Christian made me a perfect candidate for the Jerry Springer show. I wonder if you've ever seen that. Maybe some of you have. Uh, I was adopted at birth and abused in my past, which needless to say left me with feelings of rejection, betrayal, shame, guilt, and fear. Obviously, I'd accumulated baggage over the years, but when I became a Christian, I had no idea I needed to deal with it. I embraced my new life with passion and enthusiasm, choosing to forget those things that, that were behind me and pressing forward to those things ahead. I was not trying to deny my past. Rather, I sincerely believed that because I was in Christ, there was a new creation. The old had gone, the new had come. What I didn't realize was that this scripture spoke of my spiritual condition, not about my condition of my soul. The damage and weaknesses that were in my soul realm before I became a Christian lingered after I made that decision to get my life right with God. So in Christ, we have been created anew spiritually. We're a new creation in Christ. Our spirit has come alive to God. But that's not talking about the condition of our souls, where God still has a work to do, where he is remaking us, reworking us, so that we can be his masterpiece. Well, we are his masterpiece, but we will continue to be his masterpiece as he works in us. The good news for us is that God, our Father, by his Spirit, is the master potter. He knows what you need before you say it. He knows what part of your life needs healed your soul. And as we continue to be in him and follow him, abide in him, he changes us. He heals us and transforms us. I want to quote again Christine Kane where she says this, I learned that being made whole is a process. If we try to bypass this process, we will remain weak at the core. As a result, eventually all areas of lives will begin to deteriorate. The walls I had built around my life to protect myself were a clear indication of my unresolved issues. With all of this turmoil in my soul, it is no wonder my life began to unravel. But God wanted me to find freedom. He showed me that although I was born again and spirit-filled, my soul muscle was emaciated, weak and small, that there was little room for the Holy Spirit and his fruit to flow. I had to not only allow God to heal my wounds and strengthen my weaknesses, but also make the choice to develop maturity in order to walk in freedom. So how, how, does, how do we allow God to continue this process of remaking us as his masterpiece by his spirit? Well, to help us, I, I want to look at what the Bible teaches about how we've been created. So I want to turn to 1 Thessalonians 5.23, where it says this. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. So what we learn there from Paul is that we are spirit, we are soul, and we are body. 
So let's just have a look at each one of these so we understand what they are. Your spirit. So when we say yes to Jesus, the spirit of God comes in us and we, our spirit comes alive. And that's what allows us to experience his joy and his peace. And it allows the spirit to come into us and change us and transform us. So that's our spirit. And that's why we need to share the gospel so other people's spirit can come alive and they can receive Jesus, they can receive his love and be his masterpiece. But then there's your soul. And this includes your mind, your will and emotions, your mind, what we think and believe about ourselves, about life and about everything, our will, our choices and decisions, which are based on our thoughts and beliefs, our emotions, our feelings that are the result of our thoughts and beliefs. And it makes up our personality, those distinctive characteristics that make you, you. And then there's our body. That's probably the easiest thing to describe. That's the, that's the thing you can touch. It's the thing that you can see. So when we're born again, our spirit comes alive to God as the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us. I'm sure there was that time in your life where I know that when I first experienced the Holy Spirit, it was like, whoa, I felt the love of God in my life like no other love before. And it was like I had been born again. Once we're filled with the Spirit, we're connected to that source that is willing and able to meet our soul needs and bring healing to our souls. To, that's the words that as our, as our spirit is open to God, then our spirit, as we live by the Spirit, comes through and He works in our soul and starts to work on those things that stop us from believing who we are in Christ. When we live from our spirits, keeping a step with the Holy Spirit, we're choosing to let God meet our needs of our souls. So our soul has kind of three major needs, comfort, connection, and intimacy. And as we live from our spirit and not our souls, connected to the Holy Spirit, it allows God to remake us and to meet those needs for intimacy, to meet those needs of comfort, and to meet those needs of connection. But when we live from our soul... We look for intimacy, connection, comfort, often in the wrong places. And our soul, because of maybe what's happened to us, one minute, woo, where everything's going well, the next minute, and we live on this continual, woo, roller coaster. But as we live by the Spirit of God, looking to Him to bring comfort, intimacy, and connection, we're able to walk through life. Yes, life will be tough. But yet, we'll be able to do it. And now I want to give you an example of this to try and really base this. So, think of what Jesus says about loving your enemies. Is that a possible thing in our souls? Don't think so. Why? Because we say, but they've done this to me. They've hurt me. And so our reaction is to push them away. As we live by the Spirit and we listen to the Spirit's voice, He gives us all we need to love, to be love, to be extravagant in our love, even with our enemies. I was amazed um, to hear stories of uh, Christians who have risked their lives um, speaking to um, Islamic fundamentalists. People who, you know, these were people who'd seen their families killed. And yet they went and they shared the gospel. 
And what did God do? So often he changed them. And these Islamic terrorists had to go into hiding <laughs> so that they could meet with this guy, these guys and be transformed and changed. Now in, in our soul we'd say, not a chance. But in the spirit, wow. Well, how about forgiveness? How many of us struggle with forgiveness? Yeah. In our souls, I'm not forgiving them because they've hurt me. They said this to me. They did this to me. And we put up the barriers. And we put up the barriers. We put up barriers to the Holy Spirit working in us. But when we go to God and we're honest with God and say, they really did hurt me, God. But because you've forgiven me, I want to forgive them. And we choose to forgive. Corrie Ten Boom is probably one of the best illustrations. When she was speaking after going through the concentration camp and losing her sister and her parents, and that prison guard came up to her and said, Fraulein, I'm sorry, but I've received the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you forgive me? And everything in her soul said, no way. And she looked to God. She looked to the Holy Spirit. She said, help me. And she chose to put out her hand. And as she put her hand out, in obedience, the Spirit of God fell on her. And she was changed. So where are you living from this morning? Are you living from your soul or your spirit? When you're living from your spirit, everything is possible. But when we're living from our soul, not a lot is possible in the transformation that God wants to bring into our lives. But we're not saved and remade just to look pretty. To go, yes, I'm God's masterpiece. Look at me. No, Paul goes on to talk about this third grace, which has given us a purpose. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We've been saved and been continually changed, remade, so that we can do the good things he has planned for us to do. Each different because of the way God has made you. God's grace has given you a purpose. You know, I could never have done the good works that God has asked me to do now when I first became a Christian. Why? But God, God over those years has worked in me and changed me. So that now when God says this, there's still a bit of, Ooh, that's a rather big deficit. But there's faith. God has worked in me. And God is working in you. So that when he says, I want you to do this, he knows that you're capable of doing that. He doesn't just say, oh, I'm going to set you up for failure. No. He's working in us so that we can do, he's, he's, uh, he's, we are his masterpiece so that we can go and be the masterpiece of God in this world. And there's nothing better, although it is quite scary, to do the work of God in this world. Jesus talked about that. And the food that, that spiritual food that he, that brings to us when we do the spiritual work, the work of God. I've been watching The Chosen. Uh, it's an amazing drama, new drama, which you can watch for free or you can pay some money to support it. And what I love about it is just 
the way you see the disciples are just so argumentative, so like works in progress, and how Jesus is so gracious to them. But there are moments when he says, this is the moment for you. Are you going to do this and live in me, or are you going to live in your soul? I really encourage you to watch it. It's wonderful. Just gives you a different, different look of what it must have been like to be a disciple of Jesus. So we have been saved by grace. We're being remade by grace so that we can do the good things that God has called us to do. So let me finish with this. Do you think of yourself as God's masterpiece? As a work of art that he's perfecting. We're not perfect. We need to hear that. And it's okay to get it wrong. Because as we move in faith, sometimes we do get it wrong. We say the wrong things, we do it. But when we ask God's forgiveness, he forgives us. But when you, I want you to, yeah, I'm going to give you a little challenge. I want you to go home and stand in front of a mirror. And look squarely in yourself in the mirror and say, in Christ, I am God's masterpiece. And I want you to be attentive to what you feel in that moment. Because there may be a little voice that says, oh, no, you're not. And you come back with, but in Christ, I am. I am God's masterpiece. And you start to declare that. Whatever you feel in your emotions, you start to declare it. Whatever you experience in life, you start to declare it. Because that is who you are in Christ. Because you've placed your faith in Christ. But you might now be in a, in a time where, yeah, I'm God's masterpiece. But you also see God transforming your life in certain areas. And just say yes to that. God, would you transform? God's been like really transforming me recently. About giving me grace. Is it easy? No, it's not. Sometimes do I want to give up? Yes, I do. But yet, I know that God is the most amazing potter and that he won't give up as I continue to partner with him and be open to his spirit changing me. Let me finish with two things that will happen to us as we start declaring and living out who we are as God's masterpiece in Christ. Firstly, we'll stop striving trying to change ourselves in our own strength. And we'll look to God and allow the Spirit of God to guide us and put his finger on the area of life that he wants to change in his timing and his way so that we are continually being remade. And then secondly, we'll stop comparing ourselves with others. We'll start thanking God that we are his unique masterpieces Created anew in Christ to do the good things that he has called you to do. So if we stop striving and stop comparing and start abiding and thanking God that we are God's masterpiece, then this is going to bring a heap of transformation in our life and a heap of peace. And I think that's what we all want. Let me pray. I'm going to ask the band to come up, and if the ministry team can be ready, that would be wonderful. Heavenly Father, what an amazing thought. What an amazing truth that we are your masterpiece. Lord, that's just another word of encouragement to us, Lord. 
to remind us who we are. And Holy Spirit, Lord, it's you who changes us. And so this is an opportunity for you. I can't say this for you, but you can. So in this moment, wherever you are with God, if you just want to continue to be someone that God works in, because you're his masterpiece, you're his workmanship, just say yes to the Holy Spirit. Just say yes. Say, thank you that I'm your masterpiece. But I say yes to you continuing by your grace, your work in me. So that I can do the good things that you've planned for me to do. Just say yes to the Holy Spirit this morning. And if you're really struggling to believe because of what has been said, what has been done, what you've even thought, I want you just to declare and start declaring because declaration has incredible power. I am your masterpiece in Christ. In Christ, I am your masterpiece. Keep declaring it. Asking the Holy Spirit to take it from your head to your heart. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.